Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to TPI Talk in 20, where we're making entrepreneurship and investing a team sport. The Players Impact is an exclusive network of athletes, artists, and collaborators inspired and encouraged to shape the future we envision. Through opportunity, education, and influence, our elite collective accelerates the potential of every member to transcend any game. At The Players Impact, we are about legacy beyond our professional careers. We are bringing our diverse community of investors, entrepreneurs, and those in transition together through this podcast with thought leadership, subject matter expertise, and peer advice. Listen to us where you find your favorite podcasts. You don't want to miss hearing from our team of professional athletes, venture capitalists, and other founding CEOs about their stories, opportunities, and experiences. I'm Tracy DeForge, the founder and CEO, your host of TPI Talking 20. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited just to have a conversation. Um, yours has been an interesting journey from a career perspective and, and having you as part of the TPI um, investment group and, and advisory board has been phenomenal for us. So I want to share that with our followers and, and listeners to uh, you give us a little bit more about your early career and, and we'll kind of continue through the journey. That's great. Um, appreciate being involved uh, on this podcast and also just being involved with TPI in general, such an exciting growth organization and seeing how quickly it's grown even from the last time we, we uh, you know, I, I was on a, a podcast for you um, last year. It's amazing. So um, my early career, um, I practiced law um, I went straight from college to law school. I practiced law for about six years. Honestly, the law wasn't for me, and I figured that, that out really quickly. But it took me, me neither, Steve. <laughs> it wasn't for me either. <laughs> it took me six years, though, to get out. But um, what happened was, is is like the law, the job, the law job is the first job where I was making any you know, any real money, and so I figured I should learn how to invest the money. And so I was in my dad's office um, and I saw uh, one up on, on Wall Street by Peter Lynch uh, just lying around. And I was like, hey, you know, I should learn how to invest money. And I read it and I read it like in two days and I just got passionate. So I started to read everything in sight about, uh, about uh, investing. And then, you know, that, that's, that's ultimately led me to say, you know what, I want to do this for my job. Amazing. But you did, you skipped over the part of studying at Harvard East Asian studies. How did that lead you to law school? Um, East Asian studies. That, my thought was back at the time um, that Asia was rising and uh, there would be just great sort of business opportunities involving Asia. And that was true. But what I figured out after like not very long after is like, well, actually, if I want to utilize this degree, I'm going to have to move to Asia. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really want to do that. So uh, the extent to which I've like used the, the specifics of the East Asian studies uh, education is like, I can speak some Japanese with my mother-in-law because uh, she's Japanese, but um, I haven't really utilized it other than that. It's more of a liberal, liberal arts sort of education. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you on that. So I guess that that was a, 
a fast forward to, to brand velocity partners and, and how you took your passion for learning everything, investing and, and really transitioning out of the legal field. I'm sure your legal degree still has a, a big place that it plays in what you do at Brand Velocity Partners, but talk a little bit about the unique structure of, of what BVP is. Sure. So, uh, and, and yeah, to your point, it, the, the law background actually is very useful and, and um, the deal experience was invaluable. So um, um, it definitely was not like a, a waste of time. It was, it was very valuable. So after, after uh, I switched into private equity, I was at a different firm. I was one of the managing partners there for many years, uh, like 17 years. And, um, and Brand Velocity Partners, that, that happened uh, kind of late in the game at my prior firm. And uh, I met another guy, Drew Scheiman, who's also involved in, in the TPI. Yeah, we love Drew. Yeah, Drew, Drew is awesome. And he had reached out with an opportunity for one of the companies at my old firm to partner with Kobe Bryant. And that was very interesting um, with Kobe. And Drew and I became friends through that process. And, and we, you know, I, I had certainly grown tired of, you know, private equity in certain respects, just the, um, you know, the, just the overwhelming dominance of the finance skill set and, and as opposed to a more sort of what do you do after you invest in the company to add value? And so that's how the idea of Brand Velocity Partners was hatched uh, about probably three years ago. And we've officially launched a little, a little over two years ago. And, and the, uh, the idea was to take the power of marketing and bring them to companies instead of just the finance skill set, bring a tremendous amount of marketing resources. And part of that, which does tie into TPI, is you know, working with athletes, entertainers uh, who have brand power, you know, and, and, and having them as investors, but also potentially as brand ambassadors in, in our companies. Um, yeah. That was like what the idea of BVP was. For the, for the audience, Steve, take a step back and, and talk to us about private equity versus what we do with our, our athletes on, on the syndicated uh, deal side versus venture. Give us a a, a quick overview of, of private equity and where you saw the ability to start think about it differently. Sure. So venture capital would be earlier stage companies, companies that may have a, 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 a big vision serving a big market. They may have some revenue. They may not. Um, they are not mature businesses yet. And so there's a tremendous upside potential if the company realizes its vision. Private equity is taking a company that's already been around. They're making, um, they're profitable. You know, they, they, they have their place in the market. And so private equity would typically be viewed as sort of a you know, somewhat lower risk, lower reward asset class than, than venture capital. Um, that being said, um, sometimes you can have a business that may have been around for a while that still has tremendous opportunity. So from a risk profile perspective, the risk may be not as high as a company that's a startup, um, but uh, may still have significant growth potential. So that's kind of the sweet spot that, that we're looking in in what we do. Are you able to share some of, um, one, the ways that you're looking at the companies that you're bringing on, adding the strategic value or any um, actual examples of portfolio companies? 
Sure. Well, I'll talk about the most recent portfolio company we bought, which was last the end of last August. We bought um, we bought a, a, a company called Barbecue Guys, which if if anybody who's listening has bought a grill, there's a decent chance that they they bought it through the barbecueguys.com website, particularly if it's a fancier grill. And that that's just a great e-commerce growth business, um, good size. It's it's you know roughly three hundred million in revenue business, um, so good scale. Um, and in that one, so what did we what would we done so far in that company? We we've owned it for I think about nine months or eight months, whatever it is. But um, the opportunity there, it, there's a tremendous marketing opportunity there. As, mm-hmm. as good as that company is, at, if you want to buy a grill and you're Googling, you want to buy a grill, they'll, they, you will see barbecueguys.com. Like if, if, you, if you Google it now and say how to buy a grill or best grass grills, you will find barbecueguys.com for sure. But what they didn't do is they didn't focus on the top of the marketing funnel. That would be the bottom of the marketing funnel when you're talking about someone who is already ready to buy. Um, the top of the marketing funnel is more about the brand and getting you to think about, hey, if, if you're interested, when the time comes when you're interested in, in a grill, come to barbecueguys.com. That's what upper funnel and the company didn't do that before. So we saw a big opportunity to really create that plan for them for the top of funnel and integrating into kind of what TPI does and and so we brought in in that investment, we brought in as investors the, the Manning family, um, in addition to Ladanian Tomlinson and, and, and also fellow Hall of Famer Steve Hutchinson, who was a really good uh, amazing for, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the Vikings, and he by the way has fourteen grills, fourteen grills, so authentic, wow. authentic uh, identification. User, yeah. And so in that case, we, um, so we brought them in as investors, but also brand ambassadors. And so we have commercials that are running with Eli and Archie Manning, and then um, Peyton and Cooper will be involved in our next round of commercials, which we're going to do in July. Um, so you'll start to see those. Right now, you can see them on the HGTV. You got all the boys, huh? We, it was important to get all of them and the father and hopefully the mother as well. She apparently is the one who, who actually does the grilling um, at home. But um, they uh, barbecue being such a communal activity, uh, the idea of having a whole family involved, we thought would be great. Yeah, and yeah. the Mannings barbecue guys is from Louisiana. The Mannings are from Louisiana. So it was just an absolute perfect fit. And they're great people and uh, just great fit with the brand. So like, that's an example of, of what we do, what we're looking for um, and, and what we would bring to the table for a company. That's pretty impressive. Um, so obviously a very uh, storied career. What, what, what could you look back on and, and say is like you're most proud of? Um, well, from the career perspective, um, obviously most proud of my family, but from the career perspective, I'm most proud. I'm most proud of Brand Velocity Partners and, and launching it with some great people and, and and putting together a great group of people and 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 more people coming together all the time to be part of it. Um, that's the most exciting thing because it was our vision. You know, my Drew and then Austin Ramos who, who joined uh, later. 
you know, we had a vision and the vision is refined, but it's very, it's, it's very special when you can have a vision for something and believe in it and put a tremendous amount of effort into it and then see it come to reality. You know, one thing that I'm very proud of with BVP um, is, is we, we, we created a program which we call Share the Gains, where we give, um, like in a company that we invest in, the management team will typically get incentive equity. So if a company grows, they get a piece of the upside and that's funded by the investors. Um, and that's nice. The, the issue is, is that that doesn't, what happens to everyone else in the company that's not part of the management team? And how do they participate? Like, why is the deal good for them? So our thought was, you know what, why don't we take some of what we get as the general partner? So we get a percentage of the profit when we sell a company, we get a percentage, it's called carried interest. And that's how we as mm -hmm. make our, our, our money in the deal. We're like, why don't we share some of that with, with the employees of the companies that we buy um, so that if we win, they win too. It, it, it's a motivation for them. And it's also just the right thing because the world is, I think we, we all know the world is, is broken right now. And um, this is a way to just try to get at it in sort of a free market way. Why can't we share 10% or whatever we get with the employees that made it happen? So very proud of that, proud of, of, uh, of the vision. And, and yeah. seeing the reality, which I'm sure you can identify with yourself. Yes, very much so. I know when it when you when it's everything that you believe in, and it finally comes to fruition. There's a lot of uh, a lot to celebrate. Oftentimes, I don't take enough time to celebrate the little victories, though, right? And I think that's an important message to put across: is it's just being able to celebrate each milestone. You're very right. Drew and I remind each other. Drew probably more naturally will remind himself. I need to stop and remind myself of that. And it's like it's like if you're climbing a mountain, and the mountain is very tall, and you can't even see the top of the mountain. Like if you get a nice view along the way, you, you should stop for a moment to enjoy that nice view and not just keep plowing ahead towards the summit. So, I, I agree with you. A, important uh, lesson. Yeah. So I guess conversely, what, and, and we can talk about the pandemic, like we're, we're kind of, you know, there's a lot we could talk about as, as far as it relates to the pandemic influencing businesses and BVP not being that old before the pandemic hit. would love to hear how you came through that. And if sort of the lowest point in your career, you know, cause we, we often talk to entrepreneurs and athletes who are, you know, at the top of their game. But they're starting a new career in, in entrepreneurship and investing and and what it feels like to be at the bottom of you know your point and how you came out of that. Mm -hmm. uh, very good questions. Um, the pandemic, you know, we, we didn't have an office to begin with. So, you know, we were pretty much doing it virtually. We, we did, would get together in, in, uh, in the city or whatever, New York City, um, periodically. Um, so we had, didn't do that, but um, that part of it, it, it didn't impact as much as it may have affected a lot of people. And, and our, we're so young, we, we kind of, you know, two out of our three companies, we, well, one out of the three we bought after the pandemic had started and the other two were not long before. So, um, I mean, the pandemic has been, we've done fine, like from a, you know, from a sort of business perspective. Um, mm -hmm the barbecue business. Is, is Did it make some of those purchases uh, like easier, 
easier purchases because maybe founders were more inclined to, to see a safety net? You know, I think in the barbecue guys deal, the company's been, I mean, it's, it was already growing fast, but it actually benefited because people are staying at home and they're cooking at home yeah. and they want to be outdoors. And so it's actually probably helped that business. Um, it, it impacts every business different ways and who knows what happens after the pandemic ends. You know, they say it takes about two to three months of before a co consumer can learn new behavior. And so whether or not the new habits endure, what extent, you know, we don't really know. We try to just buy good businesses that should be okay either way. Um, you know, to your other question, which is also a great question, like entrepreneur and embarking on it, it's, um, there are high points and low points. And um, it, there are days if you had a great meeting or, or, or something good happened, you feel like you're the king of the world and, and, and it's just amazing. And if your phone doesn't ring for a day, it can be the most lonely feeling. And uh, yeah, right, it's like yes. loneliness. I would not have appreciated that before, um, that it can be lonely at times, not just if you feel if the world isn't buying your idea, but you know, just, just because you feel such, and I'm sure the athletes that, that, that are listening, like these are super competitive people who are known to be ultra successful in what they do. And we all have a fear of failure and it can be very positive and it can be negative and, you know, and, and you have to use the fear of failure, I guess, to your advantage because, you know, people would say, what's your plan B? And I was like, I don't have a plan B. You know, there is no plan B. There's no boat being built on the other side of the island. There's nothing. Like, no, yeah. this has to work and it will work and we'll do whatever, figure out what we need to do to make it work. But I think athletes are extremely well suited to be entrepreneurs because they had to believe in themselves to get to where they got because they beat the odds to just get there. That level of determination is very rare. And, and I'm, every, every athlete knows, I mean, my son, like he plays hockey, but not at the level of, of your, your, your <laughs> not yet. audience. Um, well, he's only 5'8 and a goalie. And so, <laughs> hockey, so I think his, his career is terminal um, for hockey. But good thing he's smart. There is, he is, he is, he is a smart kid. Um, the, uh, there's so much time that goes into it, right? Like that nobody sees and mm -hmm. like that determination. My wife is, was a division one athlete, like the perseverance, like I would say athletes are extremely well suited to be entrepreneurs because of the hardest part is having that confidence in yourself, believing when the odds could seem like they're against you. And, um, the lonely alone time you're spending in the gym or whatever, or the equivalent for me would have been up in my office, um, just believing in it and, and visualizing success. Yeah, no, we, we agree with all of that. And, and when we talk to our athlete entrepreneurs, you know, we've got the TPI transition Academy, which is a 10 week structured curriculum for athlete founders. Um, remembering that you, what it's like to have a team and coaching around you as an athlete. That's what we think um, the Transition Academy can provide is, is so many times, right? You, you don't want to give up on your, on your vision. You, you have the perseverance, 
but not knowing what you don't know and knowing where to find the answers and to get a trusted group of folks. That's, I think, also an important point um, that we run across with entrepreneurs who might sink all of their own money into an idea that they haven't really validated because they, um, you know, they just believe in it so much without getting outside influence or being able to go and raise capital from outside, depending on your own. Um, so I don't know how much of that you can talk to, but it's definitely uh, something we try to try to have conversations about. It's very, very, very good advice. Like to like seek out opinions and to listen and, and to be sure you, you're not going to like everything you hear. And you may, you just have to hear it and consider it and you may dismiss it, you know, after due thought and, and persevere through it. But sometimes you learn things, um, I mean, from whoever you talk to, I mean, my wife has been a fantastic, um, you know, sounding board for me. Um, lots of people in my network um, and, and people who I've met. So it is very important. And, and one thing you find as an entrepreneur is like you find out, you'll find out who your friends are as well, because sometimes people that you thought you could count on, you, maybe you can't. And other people who you weren't expecting really go out of their way to help. And you remember it and then you want to pay it forward. You know, you want to be that person that surprises people with how helpful you were you know, in their time of need or whatever. So I, I think it's great. I think mentorship is great and sharing ideas. And, you know, that, that's, I'd say, a lesson learned, like over the course of a career, it's like sometimes you feel like you have all the answers if you've been successful or whatever. And that's a very dangerous thing because like exactly. with certainty, one does not. And uh, no matter how smart you are or experienced. So, um, I think what you're doing is very good, not just with the, the, the academy, but also the network, because um, the sort of organic interactions that can occur between people, you never know what's going to come out of it. So just creating a forum for people to have that dialogue is very valuable. Thank you. Well, I have to say that you're one of those people that uh, came out of the woodwork to help TPI support us in our in a very important time. So I'll always be grateful to you for that and, and very excited to have you as part of the TPI family. Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. I'm very honored to be a part of it. There are so many impressive people and, and it keeps growing. So it's very cool. I'm very excited. And I'm excited to see where it goes because it's already gone really far. And, We're taking uh, over the globe, Steve. We're taking <laughs> over the globe. Um, we always like to end, uh, obviously it's TPI Talk in 20, so um, we're up against the time, but want to end with a fun question. Um, this one's probably the hardest question you're going to have all day. Ready? Yeah. If you were a Disney character, which one would you be? Oh boy. Well, it's very funny you asked that because <laughs> I just got in the mail yesterday um, an autographed uh, uh, guidebook for uh, Walt Disney autograph guidebook. So I happen to be like a hardcore Disney person. Oh, that is funny. I didn't know that. It's you know, good, good timing. Um, favorite character. Is, is it favorite one or who I want to be? Like who you would be like, who, who could we say, Oh yeah, that's Steve, which character personifies you? Oh gosh. That's a really hard question. I'm more yeah, of a goofy yeah, myself. Characters <laughs> going through my head. Um, you know, whew. some days I feel like goofy. 
Uh, some days I feel like Donald with temper. Um, some days I feel ha happy-go-lucky uh, like Mickey Mouse. So I think there's probably a little bit, definitely enthusiastic like Pluto. So there's probably a little bit of, of different characters in me. And talk about an amazing entrepreneur, Walt Disney, huh? He was, and, and interesting about Walt Disney, as I mentioned earlier about um, Drew, Drew and I, um, and, and, and how we had met through, through Kobe Bryant. And so we went to Kobe Bryant's office um, in Newport Beach when, five, six years ago. And, um, and I always ask people whose picture was up in the, uh, in the uh, entrance to Co uh, Kobe's office and nobody ever guessed, but it was Walt Disney um, whose picture was up in there, so. Wow. Yeah. That's, you found your people. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, Steve, thank you again for being here, being such a great guest. We're so excited to follow BVP, be part of that story um, and see all of the great things to come. Thank you very much, Tracy. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.